product fair is in Chicago. You went in at Mike Ditka's place yesterday. They had some good deals. Anybody heard the news about President Trump? What happened today? Remember, he was pressing the uh, the tariffs for Mexico. The Mexican Navy, all the army, blocking the southern border <laughs> and the northern border. So they kind of made a deal. <laughs> Even though all of the the senators, right, was against him, all the Republican senators was amazing. This guy is a master of the art of the deal. He is basically <laughs> so it's so incredible what kind of things he does all by himself and with the grace of God, right? I guess when everybody prayed for him last Sunday, yeah. I mean, he's just getting victory after victory. So tonight we're going to take a quick look at uh, Shavuot. As we are. The actual day is Sunday, right? The, the Jews, they have the way, they make their calendar where everything lands at the exact time of the season. So it's, it's incredible how they do that. Oh, today is National Donut Day, if you didn't know that. <laughs> Which coincides with our celebration of Shavuot, because Shavuot is like with sweets and blitzes. Anybody had blitzes before? Yeah. We get our blitz master here. <laughs> Me, but over there are cooking them up today. Wow. So let us all. Just bless the spirit as we go for Father, we thank you for the word that you brought to us tonight, Lord, to your Torah. We see it in the Leviticus and Deuteronomy and Acts of the Apostles. It is so revealing and telling, Lord, how detail-oriented you are and how you've not hidden, but you've shown your truth, Lord, through the feast of Yehovah. And we thank you that we can read from it. Just like how Ruth had gleaned from the fields, Lord, from the corners of the fields. And then how she uh, received your blessings, Lord. Even us as uh, Gentiles have received your blessings. So thank you for your word. And as we get into it, Lord, in this spirit, um, bring things to remembrance and also um, show us things that we ought to remember and we ought to learn. So thank you for this time. And we will hear your word in Yeshua's name. Amen. So Shavuot started from Mount Sinai in Egypt and it goes all the way up to the upper room and it's fulfillment. It is called Shavuot because it's called the Feast of Weeks. Shavuot is seven, so seven sevens. So it is seven weeks and a day after Passover. So it's 50 days after Passover. So the first of uh, the first passage we're going to take a quick look at is Leviticus 23, 15 to 17. It shows the 50-day motif and the two loaves, but, but the two loaves would inevitably represent or symbolize. Verse 15, it says, Usfartem lachem. It says, you shall count for yourselves from the day after the Shabbat, from the day when you brought in et omer, the sheaf of the wave offering, there shall be seven complete Shabbats 
You shall count 50 days to the day after the seventh Shabbat. Then you shall present a new grain offering to the Lord. So up until this point, they'll be offering barley. But as soon as Shavuot come, they offer the wheat. So it says in verse 17, You shall bring in from your dwelling places two loaves of bread for a wave offering, made of two tents of an ephah. Most of the breads were made with one ephah, but these are two tents, two loaves. They shall be of fine flour, baked with leaven, as first fruits to the Lord. So just as these two loaves, when we, we do the Lord's uh, Supper here, we have these two particular challah loaves. And these two loaves have leaven with, within it. So these two loaves here, as well as these two loaves in the passage in Leviticus, represent the one new man, the church. The uh, church is made up of two people groups, the Jew and Gentile. Now, these Jew and Gentiles are sinners. Now, these sinners were saved by the grace of God by Yeshua's sacrifice. Now, Yeshua's sacrifice was a peace offering. It is the only way that man and the Father could be reconciled was through this peace offering of Yeshua. So the two breads represents the one new man which uh, Shaul talks about in the Brit Kadashah. The second slide we look at is oh, the two loaves. The next slide we're going to look at is uh, Deuteronomy 16, 9-10. It also has the 50 days motif. It says, count seven weeks or 49 days. Then the next day, the 50th day, celebrate. Count the seven weeks from the time you begin to put the sickle to the standing grain. Then celebrate the Feast of Weeks to the Lord. So it's 49 days after Pesach, and on the 50th day, from the counting of the Homer, is Shavuot. Give that next slide. In Greek, they call it Pentecost, which means 50, or 50 days from the counting of the Omer, or 50 days after Pesach. Get that next one. So 50 is also a picture of Jubilee, right? 50 years, every 50 years is a Jubilee, which brings liberty and freedom from debt and from, we see, sin too. I have to throw this next one in because we live here. Hawaii is the 50th state, right? You know, Hawaii was really blessed when the missionaries came. We had one of the biggest growth. They called this the second awakening in Hawaii. There was one in Azusa and over here, one on the big island. It was the second awakening. There was such a growth of believers in the God of Israel that we had the largest church in the 1800s. It was between eight to 10,000 believers in Jesus Christ. So I thought with the 50, Hawaii had been um, set free from uh, polytheism. And then I think in the 1900s, the missions bureau said Hawaii had, was totally, didn't have to be uh, met anymore as far as missionaries because we have already became a Christian state, a Christian territory. So they actually left after the 1900s. 
And then when they left, that's when the, 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 the renaissance the came back. Yeah. <laughs> but again, right, there's another renaissance coming up where we believers are making inroads into the Hawaiian culture. So also on the 50th day, after the Israelites left Egypt, and were in the wilderness, hanging around, getting lost, but they kept going around Mount Sinai, Elohim presented Moshe with Torah. Now, we, the Hawaiians also received Torah, yeah? So our Torah is, is made with Koa, uh, and it's in the repository at Temple Emmanuel. If you ever want to go look at that, um, the scroll, it's up there in Temple E. So the Israelites became a nation committed to serving Elohim. And Shavuot marks the anniversary of this event. So the period between Passover, this year we celebrated it on the exact day, April 19th, when that death angel passed over the blood-painted doorposts in the land, and Jewish people would celebrate the liberation from slavery in Egypt. So between Passover and Shavuot, those 49 days is known as Sefirat HaOmer, which is the counting of the Omer. This marks a period, they call it us, of spiritual preparation before the Torah was received. At the same time, when the temple ended up in Jerusalem, Jewish people offered a sacrifice of a measure, or one-tenth of an ephah, or two liters, of barley in the temple each of the 49 days. But on the 50th day, known as Shavuot, they offered the wheat at the temple. In modern times today, the, Jew, the Jewish people remember to do this counting by counting the number of days every day after Passover, each night at sundown. They also tear off calendars to remember themselves. They have magnets that they put on these boards. They have pin boards. They go through all the days. But today they have their uh, mobile devices and iPads. So every day it pings and they say, oh, it's the eighth day or the ninth day. So today is the actual day of the 48th day of the counting of the Omer, which began on Eliyah 15 Nisan. And this year was the next day, which was April the 20th. And this is the blessing of the counting of the Omer. It says, Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech ha'olam. Hashem kitshamu bimitfotah v'tzibana al-sefirat ha'omer. It says, Blessed are you, Lord who sanctified us with his commandments and commanded us concerning the counting of the Omer. So after this particular blessing is recited, then it's declared of the count of that particular day, and it's given as both the days and the weeks. So if today was the first day, it would say, today is the first day. Or if today was the eighth day, it would be, today is one week, and one day of the counting of the Omer. So they say today, they will say, Hayom Shmoneh Be'arba'in Yom. Shehem Shisha Shavuot Veshisha Yamin La'omer. Today is 48 days, which are six weeks and six days 
of the counting of your hair. So the Feast of Weeks is the last of the four feasts of Yehovah. The first four of the cycle, and there's another three cycle. So the first three feasts come from the spring harvest, and Shavuot begins the summer harvest. Now these first four feasts, as we all know, were fulfilled by Yeshua's first coming. The first one was Pesach, the Passover lamb, the lamb that was sacrificed which was Yeshua himself. The second one, that one. The second feast is Hamatzot. It's the feast of unleavened bread. It was uh, fulfilled by the sinless body of Yeshua. Next one. The third feast that we all know has been uh, fulfilled is called Chag Habikuri, which means the feast of first fruits. So from the dead, Yeshua was resurrection was resurrected unto glory on the third day, on a Sunday. So he was the first fruits of the dead of more to come. Now also, all of the Jews who had received Yeshua on Shavuot are seen as the first fruits of the church, of the Pei love. Now this is an important symbol of Shavuot, of Ikurim, for the first fruits. This was a basket, was either it had silver or gold contained within it, from the first harvest of the seven species or crops that were grown around Jerusalem. And he was brought up to the temple with a procession of music. Now these crops were barley, dates, figs, grapes, olives, pomegranates, and lastly wheat. The part I was upset was that there no mango in there. Like had the local Hawaiian mango, that would have been like, yeah. So the modern day bikurim that they take to the temple may include those, but it may also include new type of fruits that they are now growing around the area. So in the counting of the Omer, barley was offered first up to the 49th day. The offering changed on Shavuot to wheat. Why is that? Believers in Yeshua as seen as wheat or situ in Greek. Well, um, unbelievers, even unbelievers who attend church are seen as hazumim in Hebrew and darnel in Greek. So the wheat and the tares will be focused on in the church age. They'll grow up together. And the thing about the tares, you have to be able to um, discern who is the tear and who is not? So even within churches, there are people who come that are not the wheat, but they are tears. So this particular weed overtakes fields and eats up the, uh, the good wheat. So when it's young, it looks just like wheat. Chop, we call it fake wheat. So in the initial Shavuot celebrated, they celebrated Israel's freedom from slavery to Egypt. And the subsequent years they did that also until Yeshua fulfilled it. Now Yeshua's fulfillment affected three people groups. Like you see this song, the wheat, 
They see the real wheat. It bows over some. It bows down. While the tears, they never bow down. But one day, right, every knee shall bow. Even those who diss Jesus Christ, they will bow down. But today, the true wheat bow down and worship the Lord. So Yeshua's fulfillment of Shavuot affected three people groups by the giving of the the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And since Peter was given the keys, remember Peter was given these keys? He was given the keys to the kingdom. So whenever these people groups were, were open to the Lord, he had to be there to lead them to the Lord. He had to be present at each instance of the opening of the kingdom for each of these people groups. So the first people group, the Lord came for the Jew first. The Jews received freedom from slavery to sin in Acts 2. Once they believed in Yeshua, the gospel was to the Jew first. So the Jew first believed and received freedom from slavery to sin. Secondly, the Samaritans, anybody know what the Samaritans are? They're half Jews and half Gentiles. So these Samaritans also received the freedom from slavery to sin in Acts 8. And Peter was there to open it to the Samaritans. Then thirdly, but not lastly, the Gentiles who believed received freedom from the slavery to sin. Now what did spirit baptism do? What spirit baptism did was take away the burden and the regulations of the law which sin required. What did it require? A yearly sacrifice. Right? Every year you would have to go take your family, take your goats, or however much you sin, and you go up, you have to um, the priest slaughter it on your behalf. Every single year you have to do that. That might be good now to practice, right? Because sometimes we take the Lord's uh, sacrifice in vain, and sometimes we actually don't give it enough uh, respect as we should. So a yearly sacrifice only covered it for one year. So every year you have to come again and again. But the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, places the believer into the body of Yeshua. So the body of Yeshua is, is an invisible thing that the Holy Spirit places us in. Because Yeshua was the Seha Elohim. So you remember John the Baptist. John Yohanan Hamakbil said, He said, Behold, the Lamb of God who has come not to cover the sin, but He has come to take away the sin of the world forever. So we can take heart in that. When we receive Him, He forgives us of our past sins, the sins that we'll make today, and the sins that we'll commit tomorrow. Now Shavuot, what it really is, is the birthday of the church. It's the feast of Shavuot fulfilled. I thought, I thought that we bought a cake, but it was long jaunted because today is Donut Day. So tonight we're going to be looking at a text in the New Testament, 
the book of Acts, chapter 2, 1 through 11. And we're going to just, again, look at the birthday cake analogy. Now the rabbis, they call this particular feast Zeman Matan Torah. It's the giving of the law. So the rabbis believe that on Mount Sinai, the law was given on that day to Moshe. They also believe that King David, Melech David, was born on this day, and on this exact day, Melech David also died. So by looking at the Jewish perspective of Shavuot, or Pentecost, we understand that this feast, you'll be able to understand and answer three questions. The first question would be, when did the church begin? Uh, when did it start? Some people say it started with Adam. Some people say it started with Abraham. Some people say it started with Shavuot. The next thing, how do we enter into the body of Yeshua? And the third thing that we might be able to answer is, what is tongues in a biblical sense, right? Because we're going to see it happening here. Is, a, is it a rambling of words or sounds that we notice today in most uh, church circles? Shavuot or Pentecostal circles? Or is it an actual language? So Pentecost is the new work of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. It is spirit baptism. It's called where Holy Spirit baptizes people when they first believe and they're placed into the Guth HaMashiach, into the Messiah's body, into the body of Yeshua. I don't know if you remember, but we saw how the church, all the believers, are a gift from God the Father to God the Son. And then God the Son will give the the church back to God the Father. So that's this like full-on circle of love. So they're placed into the body, the Holy Spirit, upon belief, hands out the gifting. So we all have the giftings once we believe. But as we grow in the Lord and we develop those giftings, then the, the brothers and sisters see, hey, 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 he's gifted in, in serving, he's gifted in worship or is gifted in teaching whatever the case may be and then the Godhead permanently the Father, Son and Holy Spirit permanently now because of Shavuot lives within each and every one of us isn't that unreal this huge God who created this massive universe lives within us. In the Old Testament, the Ruach HaKodesh never permanently indwelt anybody. But what he did was, he came upon believers uh, as they needed to do the work of the ministry. Then after they completed their work, the Holy Spirit would then depart. So David prayed the prayer. He said, take not the Holy Spirit from me. And back then, that was totally acceptable. But as far as praying that prayer today, it has no meaning. Because the Holy Spirit will not leave us, nor forsake us. And that's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
So David's prayer is not valid today because they all indwell us as believers. So Acts 2 verse 1, it says, And when the day of Pentecost was now come, they were all together in one place. So this is that Pentecost that Yeshua has come to fulfill completely. But disciples were probably in the upper room, and this occurred again on a Sunday. Shavuot, every year, lands on a Sunday, first day of the week. So since this is the birthday of the church, we're going to just have that birthday cake illustration. What happened on the next day, on the next day during the Feast of Pentecost? So verse 2, what's the next one? Verse 2, first they heard something, and what they heard was the sound of a wind. Secondly, they saw something, the appearance was of, of fire. Then thirdly, they had experienced a miracle, the gift of tongues. So first, a sound to hear. Now when you, uh, when you have a birthday party, you know, cake, everybody's around the birthday party, the cake, and what do you hear? People singing happy birthday. So that's the sound you hear around the cake. But at this, at the church's birthday, what they heard was a mighty wind, a mighty sound that sounded like a tornado that suddenly came out of the blue sky, down from heaven. And if they heard this windy and sounded like everything should be flying all over the place, but nothing moved. It was just the sound that they heard. They, had the, they heard the effect of the wind, but not the movement of the wind. So everybody who did their hair that night, well, their hair was still intact. So secondly, there was a sight to see. That's not a sight to see. Though. So as for the birthday cake analogy, there was always a flame on top of each candle. So it says in verse 3, there appeared unto them tongues, parting asunder like as a fire that set upon each of them. So there's this one fire, and then as, as they're praying there, this thing is starting coming apart. It's like and going upon each and every one of them. Look at this. So I don't know if it looked like that, but they were all sitting out a lot this is. So they go to the next one. Now this one I thought was pretty interesting. It, it kind of has the right thing. It has one space and it's all going down. But I saw one lady. It went lay and went flower here. <laughs> 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 hey, the Hawaiians was represented. I was like, who could that be? <laughs> and that was a pizza lady. Wow. Oh. Yeah, oh, the Hawaiians are represented. So they saw a united cluster of fiery looking tongues that separated and divided itself. So that tongue was upon each of the disciples, just like the, uh, the fire in the bush in um, Moshe was on the Mount, Mount Sinai. He was burning, but never had a spell, but just had one fire. Same thing here. It looked like fire, but they did not feel anything burning because it only looked like fire, but it wasn't actually fire. So we cannot miss this picture from the Jewish perspective. 
It is that the shamash or the shamash is that top candle. The top candle is a servant candle, which is the picture of Yeshua. Everybody says that is Yeshua. Well, they call it the Or HaOlam, the light of the world. So this Shamash on this Hanukkah is the servant candle and it lights each candle sequentially for eight days. So it is Yeshua represented at that Shamash as that cluster of fire as he personally gives light to each disciple spiritually through the Holy Spirit. And this continues even till today. As anyone who believes is lit personally by Yeshua through spirit baptism into his body. We don't see that burning thing on there, but he does give us that impetus to go and uh, do his will. Again, he said, do not hide your light under a bushel, but let your light so shine before me, and your good work shall glorify your Father in heaven. And the third thing they saw was they had this miracle that they had experienced. In the birthday cake, the miracle would be us as believers. We who gather around the cake, we have experienced a miracle. I don't know what when it's song, a running out of the grave miracle. We went from being Judas Iscariot or like this, the worst sinners, haters of God, to Lazarus, where we were raised to a new and abundant life. So even like Lazarus, he was raised again, but not unto glory. But some of us here today, we may make it unto the rapture. So we could make it unto glory in this body. So we went from death unto eternal life, and having received the free gift of salvation, just as they did back then. For the disciples, it was the gift of tongues or speaking in other languages, in verse 4, it says, And they were often in the Holy Spirit, or controlled by the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them the ability for the utterance. So tongues is what the fire looked like, and now the result was that they spoke in other tongues. The cause was that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, they were controlled by the Holy Spirit. And they were suddenly filled all at once. So while only the filling of the Spirit is mentioned here, this event included other ministries of the Holy Spirit as well. It included the ministry of the indwelling, according to John 14. That's where Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commands. And my Father will send the Comforter, the Ruach HaEmet, the Spirit of Truth, who is now with you in in the near future, He will be in you. So at that time, the Holy Spirit was working, but not indwelling. But He says, at that point in John 14, in the future, the near future, He will be in you. It also included the Spirit baptism. When you compare Acts 1.5 with Acts 11.15 and 16, they say that John baptized with water. But in the new future to come, you shall be baptized in the Holy Spirit for the new Mahabias, not many days from now. So in the book of Acts, he was saying, hey, pretty soon, one of these days, we shall go on. And when that happens, when Yeshua is going to fulfill it, 
we're going to be filled and baptized by the Holy Spirit. We believers are holy and separated unto holiness. So the Holy Spirit has placed us in the sheep pen of Yeshua. The Holy Spirit is the guarantee. He said the Holy Spirit in Ephesians 1 says he had sealed us. He put his seal upon us that we are now seated in the heavenly. So if you doubt your uh, salvation, the Holy Spirit has already seated you in the heavenlies and guaranteeing you that you will be uh, taken up to heaven when Yeshua comes. So Yeshua had to leave so that the Holy Spirit could come. And the result was they began to speak with other tongues in other languages other than their own native tongue. So their tongue was Galilean. Now according to scripture and history, the Galilean dialect was a very uh, distinct dialect. That whenever you spoke it, you could understand it. Oh, that guy, he's, he's from New York. It's, it's almost like that. Or he's from Alabama or, or Texas. You, you can tell the, uh, it's very uh, distinct. Hawaii. Hawaii. <laughs> so you remember Peter? I mean Peter when Yeshua was getting um Is that the Holy Spirit? <laughs> so even Peter when uh, they were all telling him, Hey, aren't you with Jesus? He's like, no, I don't know, he oh man, he said you you sound like a Galilee in your voice. Remember last week we talked about Isaac, man, your voice sounds like Jacob, but your hands feel like uh, Esau. Yeah, so that was fun. Of course, he was old, right? So in other words, the Holy Spirit provided this particular gift of tongues, so the gift of languages, is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So now Yeshua, he is the Word of God, or the God of Yehovah. So if you needed to get your message out, Yeshua is the Word of God, one needs to have a good spokesman. The Word needs a tongue to get the message out. So He uses our tongues so that we may say something and use it for His glory. So the gift of tongues, primarily what it was for, it was needed to begin the church in Jerusalem and establish it. That was the main thing for the church for the use of tongues. That was the main thing. And then Paul in, ends up teaching that it is now the least of the gifts. Don't, don't pray for that gift of tongues because it'll make you prideful. Because they became carnal and prideful with this gift. But seek the other gifts, right? So is the gift of tongues valid today? Some say no, some say yes. I say I think so, but not like how we use it today. It, it is vital when reaching new people groups of differing, undiscovered areas and languages. I heard that when Titus Cohen came to Hawaii, he picked up the Hawaiian language quick. It must have been a gift from God because he learned it quick according to his writings and according to the writings of the Hawaiians. 
So I think it's valid today in that arena because now the Bible says in Hebrews, in times past, the Lord used to speak to us in dreams, in visions, but today he speaks to us through his word. Now the, the New Testament of the Big Kadashah was not put together yet. So that's why they needed the gift of tongues to get that established the church. So it says, Paul said it was also for the church edification, right? When done orderly, one by one, and it says up to three people with interpretation. You never see that today. I, I, I want to say rarely, but I'd say never. I never see it. So if an unbeliever may be at that church and hear it, Everybody speaking tongues, they said the unbelievable being out. But if he hears it in his own language, like you know one dark guy speaking one different language as Scandinavian or whatever, what's going on? He's speaking my language. How does that happen? How is that possible? So apparently the experience in the upper room. The apostles in the upper room, they gone into the public area and they, cons they continued speaking in the languages of the Jews at that time who had come to Jerusalem to celebrate Shavuot. Now there was a great multitude according to verse 41 that was outside. So what happened on this particular occasion was the new ministry of the Holy Spirit, spirit baptism, which in turn gave birth to this new entity the church. The body of Messiah made up of both Jew and Gentile. Now, verse 5, take a quick look at this. Now they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men. So these were Old Testament believers separated by geography, and some they had not seen or heard even of the resurrection. They were from every nation under heaven. So this is the Shavuot is a Shalosh Regalim is three pilgrimage feasts, which is Passover, Shavuot, and Sukkot Tabernacle. So most Jews stayed in Jerusalem. So if you traveled all of these miles for Shavuot, I mean for Passover, you would stay in Jerusalem until Shavuot 50 days later. So if you see this map, these are where all the people groups came from. And that's that's some miles right there. So after Passover would have uh, they would celebrate Passover. If you had to walk back to your house, say Mesopotamia, Ilam, Parthia, that is about five to seven hundred miles away. And what they say it takes the, a caravan normally travels twenty-five to thirty-five miles a day. So that would take them a while to get back home, turn around, and come right back. So what most of the Jews did, they were in the land, they would stay in the land. Verse 6, so when this song was heard, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speaking in gibberish language. That doesn't say that. He said, because that every man, whoa,
every man heard them speaking in his own language. And verse 7 says, And they were all amazed and marveled, saying, Behold, are not all of these that speak Galileans? Okay, these men, again, had this distinct dialect that is known to all the Jews in the land and outside of the land. So the miracle was that even though there wasn't any you know, Rosetta Stone or Babel, yeah, now they get all these now. Duolingo app where you can learn different languages. They didn't have that. They had learned this language instantly. As soon as that, um, that flame went upon them, they had learned it. So they were instantly able to communicate in a foreign language to Jews from their prospective countries. So how many? One, two, three. At least 11 languages. So verse 8 says, and how, and how hear we, every man in our own language from where we were born. But these guys weren't born in Jerusalem. They were born outside of the land. And the Galileans never left. They never went to these areas to learn the language. Majority of the disciples were simple men, right? Fishermen. Get that next slide. Huh? <laughs> so this one, as they go through, you get these numbers: one, two, three, four. That's the sequence of this uh, diaspora of people. So verse 9 says, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the dwellers of Mesopotamia. So these are the first four to the east of Jerusalem. To see Allah, Medea, Parthian, Mesopotamia. So these spoke Hebrew and also Galilean. The next five is Cappadocia, in Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia. So these are all in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. And majority of them spoke Greek. And then in Egypt, it says, and the parts of Libya and Cyrene. So some spoke Egyptian, but most spoke Greek. And sojourners from Rome, they spoke Latin and then both Jews and proselytes and they are Cretans they spoke also Greek and Arabians who spoke Nabataean that's where we looked at um, Petra the last time Jordan that was their language and now the content of the language is spelled what did they say Verse 11 says, We hear them speaking in our tongues the mighty works of God. So what were they hearing in these languages? It concerns the mighty works of God that had been done. So is this tongues in actual language or a rambling of songs like come on, I want to write Jahannam. They just, that's what sounds like. They just say all kinds of different ramblings. Or is it an actual language? I don't think it's an actual language with uh, syntax, uh, sentence structure, 
with all of that, grammar, all included. So as far as what we see today is playing off as tongues, according to this, and according to that picture, it was different countries and different languages that were spoken. And the gift of tongues was that these men, Galilee, with a distinct um, language, distinct dialect, spoke all of these, each one to a certain people group. So what else did they do? What else did the Jews do on Shavuot? They read the whole book of Ruth. We want to start that right now. <laughs> the whole book of Ruth, a Gentile is read. It's about this Gentile woman and all her escapades. This is the Messiah's lineage that he came to this particular woman. And the setting takes place at harvest time during this Shavuot harvest. I remember Ruth was a Moabite, right? And we all know what Moab meant, right? Father. So in observance, in Deuteronomy 10, he says, it explains the observance of the feast. He says, you shall keep the feast of weeks unto Jehovah your God with a tribute of a funeral offering of your hand, which you shall give according to Jehovah your God who blesses you. So this is what will eventually become the free will offering. So it went from tithing offerings to free will offerings. And that is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 16, that we bring our offerings to the Lord for his work. And this practice is brought forth today as many churches still call it tithes, right? Everybody call it tithes, but Tithes are only if, it, if you're under the law. If you're not under the law, then it's a free offering. So when we look at this in summary, it means that the power of the Holy Spirit is now provided for each and every one of us to complete our individual commission that the Lord gives us. So you may get that fire upon your head. Don't put your hat and cover it. He has lit every one of us spiritually, but we have to go out and make use of that. Pentecost, we know, it marks the beginning of the church, the birth of the church. And we also see that the Holy Spirit baptizes the believer and places it in his body. And now the Holy Spirit, the Father and the Son, lives within us and we in them. So the gospel was open to these three people groups. It was Jew and Gentile. Peter was given the keys of the kingdom in Matthew 16 to open the door to these people groups. The Jews, full-on Jews, the Samaritans who were half-Jew, half-Gentile, and the Gentiles. Pentecost is also a picture, an illustration of the future outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon all of Israel in the tribulation. How many churches, most of the ones that speak in tongues, use Joel 2, 28 and 29 as what happened in Acts 2. If you read Acts 2 and Joel 2, 
You will read that nothing in Joel 2 happens in Acts 2. Nothing in Acts 2 happened in Joel 2. It's two totally separate things. Shavuot is for the church. The um, Joel will be for the tribulation, and that is for the Jews in the tribulation. So Joel will, he says that all of the Jews, all of Israel will be saved in the tribulation, but two-thirds will not. And that's why we are here to try and help gather in those two-thirds. Amen. So with that, we're going to um, partake of our the bread and the cup.